Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Good morning, Indianola First, and good morning, New Journey. It is so great to have you with us this morning. You know, we as pastors miss you guys so much, and we can't wait for the day when we can actually all meet together physically in one location. But until that day, it is great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in this morning. If you're brand new and maybe you've never been to New Journey or First Assembly, I want to say a special welcome to you on this Easter morning. As you can see, we're uh, actually on location here in southern Iowa, just south of Indianola. We saw a beautiful sunrise this morning and uh, got here nice and early, which I don't always do, but I was glad to see it this morning. But you know, as awesome as this sunrise was, it doesn't compare to the most amazing sunrise in history. And that was a sunrise that took place on the very first Easter morning. Now, let me for a second take you back to that time and and talk to you a little bit about the events that led up to that very first Easter morning. Uh, On the Sunday before Jesus was resurrected, he actually came into the city of Jerusalem, the capital city, and the people were singing his praises and they were so happy to see him and they actually wanted to make him king. But then on Thursday, After meeting with his disciples, Jesus was actually arrested and he was handed over to the Jewish authorities and they they mocked up a trial and they trumped up charges against him and they actually ended up handing him over to the Romans who the Romans really didn't know what to do with him. But uh, there was going to be a riot in the city and so they decided to give in to the will of the people and they had Jesus crucified on a Friday. And then things get kind of quiet until that Sunday morning. And that's where I want to pick up for us this morning. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 7. and and we'll pick up the story. Now after the Sabbath, toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here, for he's risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. How amazing would it have been to be that angel, to be able to, for the very first time in history, proclaim the good news that Jesus had been risen from the dead. And here he goes and he appears to these two women at the tomb. Now, we're going to be talking about that this morning, the fact that Jesus appeared to certain groups of people after his resurrection. We're going to be walking you through some of those groups of people and their story and their situations this morning. But the resurrection claim itself is so powerful that these guards went out and it says they became came like dead men. We can only assume that they must have fainted probably. But but that resurrection claim is so central to our Christianity that there was a man by the name of Lee Strobel who was an investigative reporter back in the 70s and 80s in Chicago. And he was an atheist and he set out to debunk Christianity. He wanted to prove it false. And the way that he went about doing it was he tried to debunk the resurrection because he knew that if there was no resurrection, there is no Christianity. And so as he set out on his quest, what he found out was that as he looked at the facts, the facts led him to the conclusion that Jesus was in fact who he said he was and the resurrection actually did happen. Now that's pretty significant and we can look at certain facts about the resurrection as Christians and know that it happened because there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that the resurrection happened. And a couple of those things I want to mention this morning. Number one, we know the resurrection happened because there was an external sources that that support the resurrection. In fact, there was a man by the name of Josephus. He was an 
early Jewish historian. He would have been a contemporary of the disciples. He would have lived in that era shortly after Jesus' time. And he wrote about Jesus and said there was a man named Jesus who had followers, and after Jesus had died, he appeared to his followers three days later. Now, there's another evidence that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. Now, what's significant about that is that, G- that Paul wrote this book only decades after the resurrection, and it was widely circulated among the churches. So if Paul would have made a claim that broad and that big, and it would have been false, there would have been a lot of people around who could have debunked it. But we know that that letter, again, was widely circulated. And not only was it widely circulated, it was very accepted to the point that we actually have it as part of our Bible today. The last proof that I have for you this morning is the fact that it said it right there in the text. There was a very large stone and there was a Roman guard that ha- that was right there at the tomb where Jesus was at. Now there was a uh, there was a rumor that the disciples had came and stole the body, and that rumor is actually still happening today. I've heard people say that. Well, the fact is that stone was so big that most scholars believe it was about two tons, and there was a Roman guard that was there, as I said. So in order for the disciples to come and steal the body, they would have had to bring a group of guys and it would have taken them a lot of work to get that stone out of the way. And so it was very implausible and very impractical that that would have happened. And those are just a few of the different facts for the resurrection. But the the most important question this morning, the one that Lee Strobel had to answer for himself, because Lee Strobel came to the conclusion that Jesus was who he said he was, and the resurrection actually did happen. So once you come to that conclusion, then the question that Lee Strobel had to ask himself is, what do I do with a risen Jesus? And that's my question for us this morning. What do you do with a risen Christ?
as you can see, we are in a cemetery and being in a cemetery kind of produces a lot of weird feelings. It reminds us of death, that life is short. And if we've ever lost someone that you love, those feelings of deep grief and sadness tend to set in a little extra. And I like to think that's how Mary Magdalene felt that morning she was on her way to the tomb. You see, she was probably anticipating Jesus's resurrection because that's what Jesus told her was gonna happen. But she's also preparing his body for burial by bringing spices to the tomb as well. And you see a little backstory about Mary is Mary was one of, um, she traveled with Jesus that first year of ministry. Jesus actually delivered her from seven demons. And a lot of people don't know this, but in the book of John chapter eight, it talks about how there was women who traveled with Jesus and who um, in his disciples and provided for them. Now, um, a lot of us tend to think that, you know, it's Jesus and the 12 guys doing the ministry, but most women would know that 12 guys traveling by themselves probably need a little extra help. Just kidding. But Mary was one of those women who helped them. And she also was one of the people who took Jesus's body off the cross. Um, and three days later, here we are, she's on her way to the tomb to visit him. Those feelings are setting in and I can just picture her walking, maybe her head's down as she's carrying the spices. And all of a sudden she looks up and she sees it. The stone has been rolled away. She freezes probably, I don't know. She runs and she sees that Jesus's body isn't there. So she goes and tells Peter and John, they come, they look and see what's happening. And they realize that she's telling the truth and then they leave and Mary is alone in the garden with all those feelings setting in. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to Mary. And this is what he says. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. She got to go share the greatest news ever proclaimed. What did Mary do with the risen Jesus? She relinquished her agenda. She went right away to the disciples and told them that she saw the master and she told them everything that Jesus told her. The word relinquish means to withdraw from, to retreat from, to give up voluntarily. Mary dropped her agenda because the news of Jesus was so much greater than anything she would ever do or say. Out of everyone, why did Jesus appear to Mary first? Well, many Bible scholars believe that Mary was the one who washed Jesus's feet with her hair and her tears. And Mary was a girl who sought after Jesus. I believe that this is so relevant for us today. Our agendas control us so much. And maybe you've noticed that with everything that's going on in the world. Sometimes there's a blessing in the midst of this pandemic. For example, I just saw a Facebook post from a mom who posted a picture of her kids stargazing. And she wrote that on a normal night, they would have been to two soccer practices, um, a swim lesson, an orchestra lesson, and one other thing. But they were just, because they had nothing to do, they were just under the stars, giggling and laughing with each other. We have the opportunity today more than ever to drop our agendas and tune in to what God's agenda is for our lives. Mary dropped everything because she sought after Jesus and she loved him so much. I wonder if the church today would be willing to do the same. Someday we're gonna stand before God and have to give an account of everything that we did and everything that we said. I wonder if there'll be people who feel regret that they didn't tune in to God's agenda for their life because they were too concerned with all their own plans, desires, and dreams. 
I don't know about you, but I want to live a life following God's agenda and everything that I do. That we see this perfectly in Mary. She dropped her agenda because she loved Jesus so much. What did Mary do with the risen Jesus? She relinquished her agenda. She made the most of his resurrection. Agenda. I'm sorry when 
just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do So it certainly is the question, what do we do with the risen Jesus? Like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, which was the second time that Jesus revealed himself after he rose from the dead, we too find ourselves on a path that will eventually lead to a confrontation with the risen Christ. So it might be at the judgment or it may be when he returns, but regardless, are we ready? I want us to unpack the road to Emmaus story in Luke 24, because in addition to relinquishing our agendas, as Amelia shared with us previously, there is another critical element to our journey along this path that we find ourselves on. On the day that Jesus rose from the grave, there was two disciples, Cleopas and another one whose name we don't know, were walking toward the town of Emmaus. Like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, which was the second time that Jesus revealed himself after he rose from the grave, we too find ourselves on a path where it is inevitable that they, we will have a confrontation with the risen Christ. Now it may be uh, at the time of judgment, or it may be when he comes back again, but regardless, are we ready? I want us to look at this road to Emmaus story in Luke 24, because in addition to relinquishing our agendas, as Amelia shared with us before, there is another critical element to our journey along this path that we all find ourselves on. The day that Jesus rose from the grave, 
there was two disciples that were walking a road to the town of Emmaus. And three days prior to this, these disciples had watched their leader crucified. And as they walked along, they were sharing with one another this tragic Passover that they had just experienced when Jesus shows up and joins them. Now the scriptures say that they were unable to recognize who he was, but they spent these seven miles and many hours uh, sharing with one another, seeing one another. Um, they even got to Emmaus and they went into a home together and made a meal together and sat down and ate together. And despite all of this time that they spent together, these two disciples were unable to recognize who Jesus was. The undeniable fact in all this is that our physical senses are not adequate for us to recognize who the risen Jesus is. And then back on that road to Emmaus, uh, as Jesus approached the disciples, he asked them what they were talking about. And these disciples began to unpack all that they witnessed and experienced as disciples of Jesus. They shared the miracles that they saw. They shared the, the teachings that they heard Jesus teach. They even shared with Jesus that they had hoped that Jesus would be the one that would rescue Israel from the Romans. But despite these eyewitness facts and these details, this still wasn't enough for them to recognize the risen Jesus. And then probably the craziest of all is the bulk of this walk from um, Jerusalem to Emmaus was spent with Jesus unpacking the scriptures for these two disciples. All the way from Genesis through Moses and the prophets, he shared with them all that the scriptures had to say about who he was. But still, this was not enough for them to recognize the risen Christ. So if our physical senses aren't enough, if eyewitness facts and details are not enough, if even in-depth Bible study is not enough for us to know the risen Jesus, then what is? Like, how do we know that if Jesus didn't come back, like let's say this afternoon, that we wouldn't miss him on this path towards eternity that we all find ourselves on, what are you going to do with the risen Jesus? I'll tell you one thing that you have to do. You have to recognize him. These two disciples found themselves sitting across the table from the king of all creation and they didn't recognize him. But there was a moment during this meal when Jesus took a piece of bread and he thanked his father and he broke it. Now it wasn't because they were doing communion. This was an intimate, quiet moment between Jesus and two of his closest friends. This is what brought the recognition of who Jesus was. Church, this is what we desperately need more than anything if we're going to ensure that we recognize the risen Jesus. Because none of us want to hear a judgment from God, I never knew you. And it's inevitable that we're all going to have 
a confrontation with the risen Jesus. Hopefully for most of us, it's every single day. But we need an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father if we're going to ensure that we recognize the risen Jesus.
Red Rock Dam. And as you look at the, the roaring waters, you can't help but make the connection between what Peter was going through emotionally with all the anguish and all the, the upheaval that was happening after he had denied Jesus. Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, and then he appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then Jesus appeared to Peter. Now it was good news, matter of fact, it was wonderful news that Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. But why did he go directly to Peter? Because Peter had committed a terrible sin against Jesus when he denied that he even knew him. And now here we are on the third day, the first Easter, and Jesus goes to find his buddy to, to let him know that, hey, look, Peter, I'm alive, just like I said it was gonna be. And also that I forgive you. The fact that Jesus went to Peter before he went to the other disciples shows how much Jesus loves sinners, especially Peter. It's safe to say that Peter was miserable after he denied his best friend and Lord. See, Jesus had told Peter that when the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Basically, he was saying, Peter, by the end of this day, you're gonna deny that you even knew me. But Peter, he wouldn't believe it. He said, no, not me, Lord, I, I would never do that. When the Roman soldiers seized Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to be prosecuted, Peter followed at a distance. And as they came into the courtyard, people started to recognize Peter. And one of them said, you're one of them, aren't you? You're, you're one of those disciples of Jesus. And Peter said, no, I, I don't know the man. A short time later, someone said, yeah, you're one of them. And he said, no, I'm not. And the third time somebody asked him the question and he flat, Peter flat out denied that he even knew Jesus existed. And at precisely that time, the rooster crowed. And the Bible said, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the Lord said, when the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. And the Bible says Peter went out and he wept bitterly. The other disciples, they ran from Jesus, but Peter, he denied him. And when he went out and wept bitterly, 
He was in pure agony. But I can imagine what Jesus was going through at the same time. He was going from place to place, being falsely accused and then brutally beaten and whipped and flogged by the Roman soldiers and taking his own cross up to Golgotha where nails were pounded into him and he died this brutal death on the cross. He was killed. But now, here's Jesus going after his friend and Peter's the first disciple that he sees. Can you imagine the response on Peter when he sees Jesus coming? I'm sure the, the shame and the guilt and the condemnation all came pounding him down that brought him to his knees to where he could just say, Jesus, forgive me. There's only two things that could happen in that situation when Jesus approaches you. One, you can continue to deny him and go your own way, or you can fall to your knees and ask for forgiveness. And that's what Peter did. And that's exactly what Jesus wanted to hear. See, Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to save sinners. And Peter was one of those. See, Peter was warned about temptation, but he seemed to have forgotten about it until he heard the rooster crow. And then he remembered and he weeped. Let's be honest. I mean, how many times has it happened to all of us? I mean, we're all warned about temptation. We're all warned about immorality. We're all warned about weaknesses of the flesh. And every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. We all sin. Peter was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Peter was scared. He was defeated. He was vulnerable. His flesh was weak. He did things and said things that he normally wouldn't do. And he sinned against Jesus. And here's Jesus going to look for his old friend. Why? Because Peter needed comforting. Peter needed to be forgiven. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he cried out in prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He could have been talking about the soldiers that put him up there. He could have been talking about the, the religious leaders that tried to get rid of him. He could have been talking about his enemies who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Or he could have been talking about the, the two men that were next to him on the cross but he was really talking about all of us. Now Jesus goes directly to Peter. See, Peter couldn't undo his past. All he could do was receive forgiveness from the Lord. So this Easter turned into a beautiful Easter for Peter. He went from complete despair and condemnation and torment to the joy of God's grace because there's nothing more comforting to know that you've been forgiven by God. No one can undo their past. Peter sinned, we all sinned. But what did Peter do with the risen Jesus? He received his restoration.
morning I would like you to look at the water right behind me uh, and at this moment the water is so peaceful it's glassy it's quiet it's it's just amazing out here right now <clears throat> there isn't wind blowing there isn't any boats causing it to have waves there's no storms out or anything like that right now it reminds me of Psalms 23 1 and 2 that says the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing <clears throat> He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet, quiet waters. It's quiet and so nice out this morning, and it's just peaceful. Now, maybe later wind will come, storms might come, uh, a boat might pass by, uh, rain might happen, and cause it to be not as peaceful as it is right now. <clears throat> I think we all have seen lakes when they are peaceful, and lakes when they are not at peace at all. 
What I want to ask you this morning with this beautiful lake in mind is where is your heart at during this season? Are you at peace and resting with the risen Jesus? Now, as you think about that, <clears throat> I would like to paint you a picture of what's going on uh, with the disciples and Jesus. All right. What I'd like you to do is put yourself in the disciples' shoes just for a minute. Here you have 12 guys who leave everything. They leave their families, they leave their friends, they leave their jobs, and they all say yes to, and follow Jesus. Then they went around with Jesus and saw him heal the sick, restore the blind, cast out demons, and they, they saw him perform miracle after miracle after miracle. <clears throat> now, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, you would have to be feeling pretty confident in your decision of dropping everything and following this guy. I mean, let's be honest. You would have to be thinking uh, about how awesome it is that you are hanging out with this man who is doing great things and he is teaching you so much along the way. Then, all of a sudden, he's gone and the disciples' world radically gets shifted. He was crucified and taken away uh, from you a lot sooner than you thought. The savior of the world just got beat by man. Your whole world just got flipped upside down. What, what you thought you knew just got ripped away from you. Now again, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, I think we would all say that we would all be freaking out at this point. Not only because you, your world just got flipped upside down, but because you had just been following this guy for three years and you know that you might be, you might be the next on the hit list. What do these guys do after Jesus is taken away from them and buried? They, they get scared and they run and hide and 10 of them end up going into a room and hiding and talking about all that had just happened. And that's where I wanna pick up to this story today because Jesus comes back on the scene and has some wise words. And in Luke 24, 36 through 38, it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. We see that Jesus shows up and says four simple words. He says, peace be with you. Even though Jesus showed up right in the middle of everything and spoke peace over them, the disciples were still scared. Why were they scared? Because they, they still had doubt and because they were troubled by the world around them. And I love Jesus at this point because he's like, hey, look at me, have peace in me, touch me, see me. A ghost does not have flesh, a ghost does not have bones, but I do. Now just rest in me and you will have peace. Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his feet. Then in verse 41, he says, and while they, in verse 41, it says, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Once they realized that Jesus was there with them, they had great joy and they were amazed. They went from being scared because the world just got flipped and uh, turned around and upside down to complete joy. Why could they do that 180? 
They could do that turn because when Jesus showed them that he was in the mid, in their midst and he was with them, peace came over them and they could rest in his peace. I want to repeat that this Easter morning. Peace came over them and they could rest in his peace. What a word for us today. Here as we stand today, our whole world is turned upside down. Some of us are laid off work. Um, all the kids are at home from school and probably driving you maybe a little bit crazy and we don't know how long that's gonna last. Some of us have had to dip into our savings so our finances look a little different, might be a little scary. The world just seems like it's falling apart all around us. Right now, we have a decision to make. Right now, you have a decision to make. You can act like the disciples before Jesus came to them in Luke 24, like a lake that's not at peace, that's not at, at, uh, so peaceful as it is right now. And we can be scared and have doubt run crazy through our minds. Or we could take the words of Jesus when he appeared to them and rest in his peace. Just like this beautiful lake is at peace right now. There's not wind and there's no waves causing it to be disruptive. It is at peace right now. Later on in Psalms 23, the shepherd who is lying down in green pastures is the same shepherd who walks us through the dark valleys. So today, I want to leave you with, with a question and a reminder. The question is, what are you doing with the risen Jesus? And the reminder is, and hopefully you're doing this, and that's rest in his peace.
So as you can see, a beautiful picture is painted when you take a closer look at who Jesus appeared to that first resurrection morning. Mary Magdalene relinquished her agenda. The two men on the road to Emmaus, they eventually recognized who Jesus was. Peter was willing to receive his restoration that he desperately needed. And the 10 disciples that Jesus appeared to in the upper room heard him say with their own ears, in his own voice, peace be with you. This Easter, even though it's a different Easter than many of us have ever experienced before, the same old question that was asked to them that first Easter 
is asked of us today. What will you do with a risen Savior? You can answer that question lots of ways because the Lord has given us free will and it's our choice to do what we want with the risen Jesus. Some may reject him altogether. Some may say, I believe, and it stops right at belief. But I wanna encourage you today, and I wanna challenge you a little bit today, that it's more than belief. Jesus is looking for a relationship that's real and personal. He wants to be in communion with you. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. You know, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you probably believe that he was the Son of God. And if you believe that he was the Son of God, then you have to believe that what he said, that all of what he said is true. These are the words of Christ himself. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He cares for you. He knows the very hairs that are on your head. He has them numbered, the Word of God says. He already knows you. But his invitation to you on this Easter Sunday is for you to know him in a way that maybe you've never known him before. You know, this world is is a crazy place right now. We all know that. What a wonderful time it would be to finally just give it up to say enough's enough. I've been in control of my own life too long. I've messed things up. See, the message today is really a simple one. It's calling you to a relationship with Christ. I believe that the Holy Spirit knew that you would be listening this morning, and this is a divine appointment. I wanna encourage you to receive Christ, to ask him into your heart, to to let him become your Lord and Savior, to give him the controls of your life. There's a lot of ways to say it, but really, it's the word submission. Submit to who he is. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. It's a fact, and he did it so that he could pave a way for you to have have access to the Father. Folks, I wanna pray with you this morning. I wanna give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be your Savior. You know, maybe uh, some part of this message has has touched your heart just a little bit. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been like wooing you just a little bit to this relationship that we've been talking about with Jesus. The question remains, what will you do with the risen Savior? I hope and pray that your answer to that question is this. I'll submit to him. I'll ask him into my heart and I'll live for him. He wants you to have an abundant life. He wants to bless you and he wants you to know him and, and, and all of the greatness that he is. Let's pray together and pray along with me from your heart. Ask him in as we pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today and God, we acknowledge that we are sinners. We acknowledge God that we have need of relationship with you. We know you died on a cross for our sins and we know that you rose from the grave for us to pave the way for our eternal home. Lord, we ask you into our heart right now. Become our Savior. Become our Lord. We lay our lives down and we give you the controls once and for all. So many of us have tried to do it on our own for so long and we've just continued to mess up over and over again. But God, we give it to you today on this Easter Sunday, on this resurrection morning. Lord, we want you to be the center of our life. And God, we will do our best 
to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope the service blessed you today. We are uh, here for you as a church. You can certainly reach out to us through any of our platforms. And uh, if you wanna email us privately, it's church at indianolafirst.com. We'd love to hear from you and uh, just know that we love you. Have a great day and great Easter Sunday with your family and uh, God bless you. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.